Do you feel like you're lacking resources, materials, and support as an agriculture teacher? Do you wish you could feel more confident in the classroom? Well, friends, you are in the right place. And we have something to help you with those questions. What if you could have the magic of Germinate at the click of a button? Introducing Starter Packs. Starter Packs were created with the Green and Growing community in mind to gain access to high quality sessions tailored to your specific needs whenever you need them. And seriously, it's as easy as ABC. Add those resources and knowledge to your backpack, build community with those speakers and teachers, and create confidence in yourself in your classroom. And on October 3rd, October 3rd, the first starter pack is launching and it is an intro to ag pack. If you teach basic ag, intro to ag, want to spice things up, or you're a new teacher just hoping for some resources, starter packs are for you. Go to the Green and Growing website to find out more and purchase your starter pack today. Hey, Green and Growing fam, Sarah here, and I'm so excited because we have somebody on the podcast. And if you are an original podcast listener, I'm pretty sure you are one of the first podcast episodes. We had you and Katrina on to talk about camps, and I'm excited to have my friend Cecily Gunter back on the podcast to talk about community service. And the reason we asked her to be on is because last month during Evergreen Group, uh, we were talking about fundraisers and we picked Cecily's session from way back at a Germinate before about her what writing winning grants. And as we were listening to her session, so many of her grants like combined so well with the community and were so creative about giving back to the community. We we're like, we have to ask Cecily to talk about how she has been able to empower her students and empower her chapter to give back to the community through grants and all that other stuff. So I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Cecily. For people who are not lucky and they don't know you yet, will you let them know a little bit about you, your chapter and what y'all are up to? Yeah, so thank you for having me back. I can't, that seems like so long ago that we did the podcast about camps. I guess it was. So, uh, yeah, so my name is Leslie Gunter. I am an FFA advisor in Covington, Georgia at Newton College and Career Academy. I've been in the classroom now for 11 years. And um, our chapter, we have about 200 members this year. We have three different pathways that we teach through. Um, I focus on the animal science and vet science side, and then I have two other advisors with me, and they do ag mechanics and wildlife and um, natural resources. So we try to do a little bit of everything. We like to give our kids opportunities to get involved, and we're just here. We're trying our best. <laughs> <laughs> and if I mean, you've probably seen her chapter around on Instagram if you're an Instagram follower and they just have such creative things. And her teaching partner has also been a Germinate speaker and we're just really thankful that we can learn from them. So to continue the learning from your experience with uh, community service and working with your students, especially like you've been at this chapter for a long time, been in that community for a long time. How have you 
and your teaching partners empowered students to take action and serve the community. Because it is so easy to just say, I'm going to do a food drive, check it off the list, and then never think about community service again. How have you made it like a part of your culture at your chapter? Yeah, so I am really blessed that I have been in the same community teaching for all 11 years that I've been in this education. Um, I've been at my current school for six years now. And um, one of the biggest things that we can say is that we are connected to the community with everything that we do. So we, everyone always talks about how you have to tell your own story or no one else will. And so we kind of use social media to do that. Uh, and that's kind of where it starts, where we talk about upcoming events. We talk about like ways that people can help us. And uh, through there, it's just kind of been like a web that's kind of built off um, where we get in touch with other people who need help and different organizations and opportunities. Um, we really try to focus on community service at the beginning of the year. We sit down with our officers and we, we pick their brain about, well, what do we wanna do? We um, never wanna be the chapter that does the same thing year after year after year. Uh, we wanna continue to grow with the community and meet the needs of, um, of what's going on around us. And so, um, one of my favorite things about my co-teacher Marcus is that he is he is tied into the community so tight and um, he he's really a resource for the kids when it comes to creating projects and, and meeting these needs and um, like I said when we meet with our officers at the beginning we ask them well what are you passionate about if you can figure out what they're passionate about and the, the ways that they want to get involved then you already have the buy-in and that's usually the hardest part when it comes to community service is getting kids to buy into what you're doing and, and getting them there. But if it's their idea and, and they feel like, hey, this is what I really want to do, that's half the battle. So, so true. Selling <laughs> the kids on like this is important. You should care about this. And I think the way that you're doing it by having the kids start the conversation and then just supporting them throughout the conversation already gives them a little bit of ownership over what you're doing and not just you're telling them to do something, which is great, a great piece of advice. Once you guys have decided what you're going to do, what you're going to focus on, how do you and your co-teachers support them in the process? Like, especially working with adults from other organizations and making sure you follow their rules and the school rules. How do you, how do how do you like separate what do the kids do versus what do the advisors do? Right. So we kind of see ourselves as like the liaison between the kids and whatever group we're working with. Uh, and so that involves making sure that the kids have the dates and any important information. Uh, we also like to kind of pick a two or three kids that are going to be the lead in whatever the project is. And those are going to be the go-to. So if the organization's not contacting me, they're in touch with the kids. Um, I trust my kids enough that they're mature enough that that they can handle that. Um, our organizations that we work with, they also realize like, hey, these are high school kids and high school kids will drop the ball every now and then, but they mean well, and that's never been an issue for us either. Um, we uh, also support by trying to highlight everything on social media, making sure that everyone's aware. Um, I, I really feel like we're, we're the ones who are just kind of giving the connections to the kids. So if they have an idea, let me give you the information and let's explore and see what we can do. Um, when I first started teaching, I think one of my biggest faults was I, I thought that, that the ideas had to come from me and like they were the ones who ex executed it. And I realized that we were really limiting our chapter with that mindset. And so as soon as I was able to click over and be like, hey, these kids, they have some wild ideas, but 
a lot of these ideas are really good. I mean, it changed everything in the chapter. So that's so cool. I mean, you think about you're the adult and you're the expert, but then you have these six, 10, 12 other brains who they might not have as many years, but they have, they do have some crazy ideas. <laughs> so I mentioned before that we were watching your session about grants and you've used a lot of grants to do a lot of this community service. How do you manage doing that? Is it like, I know I'm going to do this grant and we'll find something that fits it. Um, how do you work that in? Like you have the crazy idea from the kid. Do you run it through a grant or what's that decision-making process like? Yeah. So if we have a, a um, community service idea, we'll usually sit down and we try to budget out like, well, what is the minimum that would make this a successful um, community service activity? And then what would be like our ultimate, this is like above and beyond what we could have ever dreamed, but this is what we want to do. And um, once we have that budget, we can kind of see, well, is this something that we can do in-house that we can support with our own chapter budget? Or is it something that we can find donations through other supporters? And like, do we have the connections to meet those needs? Or is it something that we need a grant for? And if it's something that we need a grant for, there are so many different grants that are out there that support, especially within an FFA chapter. I mean, um, you can do a monthly grant, you can do semester grants, anything like that. Um, our community also has some really cool grants that we've been able to get uh, to meet the needs. And I think that that's really changed some of our uh, community service by being able to realize like the money doesn't have to come from us and like the materials don't have to come from our chapter. It can come from an outside source and we can just be the middleman to make it happen. Uh, one of my very favorite um, activities that we did, we went to a local nursing home and partnered our kids up with uh, some of the residents there. And we made the deco mesh wreaths. And we wanted to do that for the longest time, but like funding, we just didn't have it, the extra um, to do it. And we finally just did a grant for it and we got the grant. And so it didn't cost us anything. We were able to do it better than what we would have done it originally because we had extra money that we could go a little bit above and beyond. And it was just fun. Um, I love that grant because it came from a student who they like making deco mesh wreaths. They thought I went and visited my aunt at the uh, local nursing home and some of the people have really cool things on their doors, but some don't. What can we do to fix this? And that's what we did. I mean, we love it. That really started a cool connection for us. That's such a cool idea and it's out of the box, but it brought smiles to people's faces. I mean, I think about one of the, maybe a lot of ag programs do is like bringing flowers from your spring plant sale to, to a nursing home, which also brings happiness, but like, is there a way to, to mix it up? Um, we recorded a podcast earlier this week and one of the big things that you've said and we said was you have to know the needs of your community partners. How do you have conversations with people that you know? You already said like you're in the community. You kind of know it that you need. Do you connect with them at a certain time of year or have the kids connect with them and be like, hey, what's going on in 2022 or what are you looking for in 2023 that we can help you with? Right. So, um, we, we try to do a lot of that at the beginning of the school year when we're doing our officer trainings, all that, try to make sure that we're up to date with any of the organizations in town. We want to make sure that we have their calendars because um, we want to be able to become the meetings that we can. Uh, that's our Rotary Club and 
Kiwanis and all the different things that we can, we want all that on our calendar. Um, it's kind of twofold. Like, yeah, we want to be there, but we also want to make sure we're not putting something on our calendar that's going to pull away from them and vice versa, pull away from us. Um, and then by going to the meetings, um, it's hard sometimes for someone to tell you like, hey, this is a need that we have right now. It doesn't always just naturally come up in conversation. But if you go to the meetings and you're involved with the community, um, you, you can really see like where do they need help and where, where can we assist a little bit more. Um, so that's worked really well for us. Um, we are also really tight with our teachers at our school. We've had a lot of really good ideas coming from them and their connections. So if they know that there's a need, they know that our um, our chapter's ready and willing and we're looking for ways to help out. And so they've come to us with different ideas too. Um, so a little bit of everything, uh, just keeping, keeping, uh, keeping up to listen and taking the time to, to make these other meetings and not always, you're not always the priority. Sometimes the other organizations are, so. That's great tips to not just spring it on somebody and be like, what do you need? Like being being a constant for them, not just a, hey, I want to check off this community service off my list, like being there for them throughout, throughout all the time and supporting them. Um, all right, last question for you. You already gave us an example of one awesome community service activity you did. Could you give us a few more that you feel are really cool that your kids came up with or you came up with that executed and really had an impact on your community? Yeah, so um, one of our biggest grants that we've done in the community service world was we wrote a grant for a zero turn lawnmower. And it was kind of a multifaceted grant because we could use it for keeping up with here at our school and our farm, using it for tractor driving with FFA events and all that. But um, we also wrote it because we wanted to be able to serve the needs of our community. And so there's always people in the community who um, they fall on bad luck. They are not at home. They're at the hospital dealing with family issues or whatever. And we wanted to be able to have a lawnmower that our students could take out to the community and cut grass and just take one thing off of the plate of these community members who are already going through a really tough time. Uh, so that's where it kind of started with uh, meeting the needs of just random community members. And it also grew into, um, we had a student who was uh, really interested in the history of uh, cemeteries, like old cemeteries. and he came to us and was like, it really bothered him that there's so many cemeteries in our community that are so old and uh, just run down, like they're overgrown, no one's going there anymore. And he asked, well, what can we do? And because of that, we were able to get in with some uh, local groups and uh, realize that there are a few cemeteries that really needed our attention and using the grant and the lawnmower that we purchased from it, we were able to go out and uh, do some cleanup days at these local cemeteries. And it doesn't take a lot to go out and do a cleanup day at a cemetery. You spend one Saturday out there. I mean, it's good for a couple of months until you have to go back out again, but it made the biggest difference. And I loved it because it tied into the history of our community too. Um, it, was, it was a really cool experience. Um, another one that we've done is we have an aquaponics lab and we have grow towers here at our school. When COVID happened in March and everything got shut down, 
we were left with an aquaponics lab and grow towers full of lettuce. <laughs> uh, that's what we were doing in school, like in the class. That's just what our students were learning on. And we didn't really know what we were going to do with um, all the lettuce and everything that we had produced. And one of our students, again, came up to us and was like, could we bag it and give it to our local food bank? And that's where it started. Now we have a really cool partnership with our food bank where we can produce things with our grow towers and with our um, aquaponics lab and continue to meet those needs to give fresh produce um, to the community. So uh, I've already mentioned the making the deco mesh reeds, but once we started that, we were able to go back. We go back twice a year. We try to go back twice a year and do something um, with the nursing home group. Um, during COVID, we weren't allowed to go in to the nursing home, but our students would still write letters and um, like draw pictures and things like that. And uh, we'd drop them off. And then we've also done carving pumpkins and painting pumpkins. So October's coming up. That's a great one. It's easy. Um, we have a local farm that's willing to donate pumpkins to us for the community service aspect of it. We go over there, we paint. Um, I don't think the nursing home residents are really into the painting as much as they just want the conversation with the students. And so that's an afternoon spent over there just talking is, is great for us. So, I mean, we've done a little bit of everything, really. Campus cleanup, I mean, keeping rivers alive, anything and everything. The sky's the limit, truly, with community service, and I think you guys are a great example of that to other chapters and thinking outside the box um, and not doing it as a prescribed thing and really like getting the kids involved, getting money because there's money out there to help, especially like you said, FFA with Living to Serve grants, um, like you can apply every month for a Living to Serve grant and get money every single month. Um, and I think that's an underutilized service that some people don't do. And um, it's just the time to, to put into the grant writing, which I don't know about you, I've had students write the grants. I'm like, hey, you wanna do this? Go ahead and write the grant. And I like copy edit for them and like, okay, let's see what happens. And you never know what's gonna happen. Speaking on that part, um, one of the things that we're doing with our students who are interested in going ag education, like that's their pro, their SAE proficiency, we kind of put them in charge of writing some of these smaller grants. So like these monthly FFA ones or things like that, it's great practice for them if they want to be a teacher, even if they don't go ag ed, there's gonna be grant opportunities for them to write. And so let's go ahead and get them the support. And um, I think it just kind of adds a, a more interesting little tidbit to these grants that we apply for too. So yeah, great point. And a great skill for their proficiency um, because writing number one, anytime we can get the kids writing is great. But number two is like, that's going to come up in their future career or their desired career. Well, Cecily, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your expertise to the green and grown community. Um, if somebody was trying to find and get some inspiration from you, where can they find you on Instagram? Yeah. So my Instagram is NCCA underscore animal sci S CI. Uh, I try to post daily about just things that we have going on in the classroom and then just different things we got going on with the chapter too. So if you ever need anything, message me on there and I'll, I'm more than willing to help out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And hopefully you have inspired some listeners to take some action and get some community service going in their chapter more often. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Green and Growing Podcast. Hey, if you're looking for more, just head to our website at greenandgrowingedu.com. We have things like a takeaway library, which has a lot of free curriculum for you. We have a specialist roster, which can connect you to specialist teachers and help you grow in areas that you need support. And we also have a waitlist for something called G&G Live. Now this is new and it's exciting. So head on over to the website and click on that waitlist so you do not miss out.